Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, in 1984, a man by the name of Ron Wyatt snuck his way illegally into Saudi Arabia to find what he thought was the real Mount Sinai. He was arrested, detained for over 70 days, and uh, any evidence that he got from the mountain that he thought was Mount Sinai was confiscated. Four years later, my friend Bob Cornuke, along with Larry Williams, who is the father of the actress Michelle Williams, snuck into Saudi Arabia and did the same thing. In fact, they did it the next year as well. Much of their evidence was confiscated, but they got some out. Now, 38 years after 1984, there's a feature-length film coming out uh, this week October 17th and 18th that we're going to tell you about that investigates this question in a lot more detail. Where is the real Mount Sinai? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, did the exodus actually occur? Because for many years, archaeologists have said we, even ha we haven't even found any evidence for the exodus. What really is the truth? Well, today we have the privilege of having Tim Mahoney on. Tim has made five feature-length films investigating issues like this. And the one coming out this Monday is called Patterns of Evidence, Mount Sinai. He's done four other films related to this. And so it's great having Tim on because these films are very well done and you're going to want to see them. His website is PatternsOfEvidence.com. Pattern of, PatternsofEvidence.com. So it's a great privilege to have Tim on with us today. Tim, how are you? I'm great. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for having me. I'm very excited about this time to talk with you. Well, I just came across your work on the internet uh, over the past several years, and then you and I met uh, back in February in uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, because that's where you're from, and I was up there speaking at a church up there, and you happened to be there and uh, you first came out with a film, I think it was in 2015, about the Exodus. Tell us a little bit about that before we get into the new one coming out. What was that film about? And maybe you could start by saying how you got into filmmaking to begin with. Well, uh, Minneapolis is actually was the headquarters of the Billy Graham Association. Mm -hmm. And when I was growing up, Billy Graham was coming out with movies. And uh, I was 18 years old when I saw my first movie in a theater. And it was a film that they had made called The Hiding Place. And uh, I had never been to a movie theater. <laughs> I always grew up in a conservative Christian home. And I went to see this movie. And after I saw it, uh, it's a story about uh, Corrie ten Boom and her Dutch family who were hiding Jewish people during the, the Holocaust. And they were in Holland. And they ended up getting caught. And they were taken to a prison camp. And the whole family died except for Heidi. And it was a powerful story of forgiveness. And I saw that movie then three times in one week. And that began a, a, a thought that, whoa, 
I, in fact, I was listening to a radio. I was going to Bible college, and I thought I was going to go into radio. And I was listening to a radio station, and they said, "Hey, there's a film school if you'd like to be a filmmaker." And the light bulb hit, you know. And I thought, "Wow, could I be a filmmaker?" And that began way back in like 1978, uh, 77, that time period. And it's been a long process for me to get to become a filmmaker. I ended up uh, going into advertising, which was the closest I could get to making films, which was commercials, which eventually led me then to making, uh, working with Billy Graham Association. Uh, I helped make documentaries uh, for their films. And that led me then to be get, becoming more and more involved in, in biblical investigative films. And I made a film called, uh, or helped to produce a film called The Bible Code, which came out uh, in the 90s. And from there, then I heard about the Exodus. So in 2002, I ended up right after 9-11 going into Egypt searching for the uh, events of the Exodus. And it was a very difficult time to be there because, as, as again, I was an American. I was in Egypt. Uh, the whole uh, issue with terrorism was happening. But I made my way all the way up to the location where uh, the Israelites were said to have lived. And I was told... I went to see an, an Egyptologist by the name of uh, Manfred Bitek, and I said, have you found evidence for the Exodus, the, Is uh, the Israelites? And he said, so far not. Mm. And I had traveled across the world, Frank, at great, uh, some, great lengths and sometimes great danger to get to this location. And when I got there and he told me that, <clears throat> it planted a seed where I had a crisis of faith. I, I had always believed the stories of the Bible, but when I went to the very location and he told me he couldn't find any evidence for it, that's when uh, it started to grow in my heart. And I, and I came to a place in my edit suite one Saturday morning where this thought came into my mind that everything that I had believed about the Bible was a lie. Mm. And in 2015, you finally put all that together in a film called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, which I just saw last week. And that film does a wonderful job of pointing out that the reason so many of these so-called scholars are saying that the Exodus didn't occur is because they're looking at the, in the wrong time frame. Why are they doing that? Uh, Tim, why are, why are scholars looking too late in the Egyptian history for the Exodus? What are they getting wrong? And, well, that's, that's uh, I kind of left people like at a very dark moment in my life. But what happened to me was, is at that same moment, a thought came to my mind. It was almost like a, a, a voice in my mind that said, stop editing, get up and go to your office. And I went and I found this book that someone had given me. It was very clear. It was a divine providence, I think, that I would find, mm -hmm. pull this book out. And there's an issue with the dating uh, of things. And uh, as we looked in that first film, we started to see that the, the reason why a pattern of evidence pr approach was so important, and Norman Geisler talked to me about this. He, he loved patterns of evidence. He said, because a pattern is more important than someone's interpretation of something because patterns are scientific. Patterns have a mm. sequence. You have to look for that. So if you look for the sequence of events in, in the Exodus, you can find them in Egypt's archeology. span And that's what that first film was based upon. And that was a turnaround in my own life 
Uh, I could have been a person, we ne I never would have been on this show had I not basically said, wait a minute, I've got to find an answer to this big question. And I think God's, God was with me in that journey and, and helped me to find it. And that answer has helped millions of other people, I believe, have, an, have a response to when people say, well, there's no evidence for the Exodus. And one interesting thing I'll say is that some people will say the Exodus didn't happen, the one that didn't happen that had to have happened at this time in history. So they've basically said the Exodus had to happen around 1250 B.C. And that's not the date that the Bible gives it, by the way. But no, that's the date that yeah, mainstream yeah. scholars have placed it. And they say it didn't happen at that time, and, uh, if, and we don't see any evidence at that time. And you realize the reasoning is just faulty in the whole what thing. It, what, and, what, and what date does the Bible reveal. What date does the Bible give for the Exodus, Tim? In that fourteen fifty time period, um, it's so many. Uh, you know, it's it's based upon the time when the temple was, uh, right. and so it's four hundred years earlier than that. And so, uh, what what we know is that the biblical date is different than mainstream scholars' date, and what they're associating it with is the the city of Ramesses. Right. But uh, what we see in these investigative films is if you take the Bible uh, for what it's telling us and you look at it, we can see that Joseph was taken to the land of, you know, Ramesses. Well, Ramesses is a geographical locator. Uh, Ramesses didn't exist at the time of Joseph. So we know that there was, there was clarity that they were trying to do. They're trying to give for the location, not the time period. And we'll get into that right after the break. My guest is Tim Mahoney, who's got a brand new movie coming out about Mount Sinai. You're not going to want to miss. We'll tell you how to see that here in just a minute. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes. Is there any evidence for the exodus? Where is the real Mount Sinai? My guest today has some answers for you to consider in some excellent feature-length films. The films are all patterned after a phrase called patterned of, uh, Patterns of Evidence. And the first film was called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. The latest film, which premieres Monday night in a theater near you, is called Patterns of Evidence, Journey to Mount Sinai. But let's go back to the Exodus for just a second, Tim. If I were to say right now that um, such and such an event took place in Gaul, most of us would go, what are you talking about, Frank? But if I were to say that such and such event took place in France in ancient times, you'd go, okay, I got it. It seems to me, Tim, and I don't know what you think about this, but when the Bible refers to the city of Ramses as being uh, affiliated with the Exodus, it is putting a modern name on an area that wasn't named that when it occurred, just like France wasn't named France when something in the ancient world took place. It was named Gaul. But if we are going to want current people to understand where something took place, we would say it took place in France, not Gaul, because nobody knows today where Gaul was, right? Is that maybe why the Bible says the area of Ramses, even though Ramses didn't exist when the Exodus took place? Exactly. In fact, in the first film, what we find is evidence for Joseph and his family underneath the city of Ramses in an older city called Avaris. 
And that is where the activity happened. That's where the, uh, the revelation comes. And uh, years later, by the way, that same uh, archaeologist, Manfred Bitek, he and I met in Jerusalem, and he shared with me that we shouldn't doubt the events of the Bible, that there is, and he, he saw a connection, even in Egyptian documents, to the name Goshen. And uh, he saw those names there, and it looks like it was lakefront property that the Israelites were given along this Lake Gerizim. It was a beautiful location uh, in the outskirts of Egypt where, where they could have their flocks. So, yes, that is exactly what happened. And St. Paul, by the way, uh, I live near St. Paul, Minnesota, it was called Pig's Eye at one time. So, <laughs> we don't pig's call eye. it Pig's Eye anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, in the first movie called The Exodus, which, by the way, friends, you can see if you go to PatternsofEvidence.com, PatternsofEvidence.com. By the way, all these films are privately funded. Uh, they are very well done. It, you think you're watching a Hollywood film. And uh, when you go uh, to PatternsofEvidence.com, if you want to watch the one on The Exodus, there'll be a nominal fee to see it, but it's well worth seeing. And you're contributing to future films. Uh, Journey to Mount Sinai was just done, cost about a million dollars to do. That's the one that's going to be in theaters the next two nights, the 17th and 18th of October. Uh, and then there's another follow-on film that Tim's working on right now about the Journey to Mount Sinai. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But if you want to contribute to this, you can go to PatternsofEvidence.com. And if you want to see any of the five films that have already been done, go to PatternsofEvidence.com. Now, Tim, in, the, in the, the, the first one you did on the Exodus, you did a wonderful job of showing the timeline and where the patterns of evidence line up. According to the Bible, the Exodus takes place about 1446 or so BC. But you point out in the film that most of the scholars because they're hung up on this Ramses reference, are trying to say that the Exodus took place 200 years later. Why do you think, what's the best evidence that they're wrong, Tim? And what is some of the evidence we've seen that the Exodus did occur? Well, because uh, that's at the, a time when Egypt is at its highest glorious time period. And so there's a chronology uh, question that goes into play. It appears to me is that uh, the evidence for the Israelites, which also leads to our second film, The Moses Controversy, uh, is mm -hmm. earlier in what's called the Middle Kingdom. Because towards mm -hmm. the end of the Middle Kingdom, there are documents that Egypt basically uh, also uh, confirms that Egypt was, was struck down. God struck the Egypt, not the gods, but God struck the, uh, the Egyptians. And there are, are there's, it's called the Ippor Papyrus. There are plagues. Mm -hmm. And people have ignored that. They think that this is where the legend of the Exodus comes. But, you know, the river turning to blood, slaves going around with jewelry, you know, things that didn't make a lot of sense to people, but that was matching what the plagues were. That, that there was crying and wailing in the land, exactly what the scriptures say. So what I'm going to say is that the archaeology also that Manfred Vitek showed, showed that there was a plague. Something happened where people were thrown in pits without proper burial, matching the 10 plagues, the, the death of the firstborn, the 10th plague. So we see a, a pattern of evidence earlier. Uh, and not only that, but there's even evidence for what looks like Joseph's tomb and his palace mm. in the same area, right exactly 
and it all is in the correct sequence. And once again, a pattern of five major events the Bible talks about with a sequence that's in the right sequence, and that's all earlier. And then after all this, Egypt collapses, and uh, there's a dark period. And that is where I believe the Exodus happened. But the reason why people don't accept it is because of chronology. And that's, that's a bigger question, but once people have made a decision as this is when things happen, it's very hard to get that to change because uh, there's a paradigm that's there that people don't want to change. They don't want to shift that paradigm. It's interesting. You cover this in the Patterns of Evidence, the Exodus movie, Tim. You just mentioned the Ipur. Is that the right way to pronounce it, Papyrus? How do you pronounce uh, that? Ipur. Ipur. Ippor. This is a document, ladies and gentlemen, that is from Egypt. This is not an Israeli document. <laughs> this is a document from Egypt that describes what appear to be the plagues of the Exodus. And some of you may know, if you listen to this podcast long enough, we had archaeologist Titus Kennedy on the program and also did a YouTube uh, version of the podcast with him of 10 pieces of evidence from Egypt about the Exodus, and that's one of them. That's one of the more dramatic uh, pieces of evidence from Egypt. One of the other pieces of evidence, Tim, and I think you do mention this in the uh, Patterns of Evidence, uh, the Exodus film, there was an inscription found in southern Sudan about Yahweh. This is the oldest inscription about Yahweh found anywhere, and it fits right into the chronology of a 1400 or so B.C., Exodus uh, that the Bible talks about, not the 1200 plus BC Exodus that many of the scholars try and say never happened. Of course it never happened. It wasn't then. It was 200 years prior. And that's what you lay out so well, Tim, in the Exodus movie, the patterns of evidence, the Exodus. Now, this newer one that's just, as I say, coming out Monday and Tuesday in a theater near you, ladies and gentlemen, is called Journey to Mount Sinai. Tell us a little bit about that film there, Tim. What is that about? Well, in 2003, I actually had heard, when I started learning about the Exodus, I heard that people were searching for evidence in Saudi Arabia. And that mm -hmm. got my interest. And you talked about uh, 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 Bob Cornuke and uh, Ron White and others. Well, those guys <laughs> kind of caught attention because they were caught. And they, they, right. they caused sort of an international uh, issue with the world of archaeology. And so the Saudis were uh, very concerned because of the connection with Israel and uh, you know all, all the question of, of the political intrigue that goes be around this. So it became very difficult for people to go into that area, but so many people wanted to see it. And uh, we even think about the astronaut James Irwin. He, he believed that we had to look at this mountain because he believed that this, this, there was a pattern of evidence there. Well, uh, in 2003, I actually was given permission with a small group of people to go to that mountain. I got a, per, I got a passport and went with a camera, and uh, it was amazing. I, I was able to walk in an area that I never thought I would ever be at and walk through uh, this area that was altars and pillars, and I was with a, group, a couple called, uh, their name was Jim and Penny Caldwell. And I know they Jim and Penny. They're great people. They really are. I was with them in 2006. Uh, we went, uh, Bob and I, Bob Cornuke, my friend, went actually to Korea to oh, interview yeah. a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Kim, who was 
you, you may have run into him as well. He was the chiropractor to the, uh, I think the king or the king's assistant there in, in Saudi Arabia. And Jim and Penny were working for Aramco on the other side of Saudi Arabia. I was in Saudi Arabia in the Navy uh, over in that area back in the 80s. And Jim and Penny traveled to Jabal El Laws and took so many pictures and got so much video. They showed us all this in 2006. And I see Jim and Penny in your documentary, Journey to Mount Sinai. Go, go, sorry to interrupt, but it, 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 everything's coming together now. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Dr. Kim, uh, there's another story I'll tell you. But uh, Dr. Kim came to, to Minnesota and I filmed him uh, here and uh, mm -hmm. he gave his testimony. So, uh, you know, we've been working on this documentary for over 20 years. So th these, that's the reason why these are such big documentaries is because they are, they're, they're massive. There's a lot of connecting parts. There's a number of people whose life's work, you know, Caldwell's going places, reading, studying, praying, going and looking for things. And then I've got scholars that I have to bring in from different parts of the world and different viewpoints. A Patterns of Evidence film is a multi-sided investigation. And I find it it's much better to have multiple points of view because it allows the audience then to make a decision, an informed decision as much as possible. And uh, so that investigation, um, there's times when I'm making a film that I, I, it just seems like it's not ready for it to come out yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted that film to be done and move on with it. But I felt that God was, you know, telling me this film will be done when I say uh, it's done, not when you're tired of working on it. You know, what you're... <laughs> sounds like a book too. Same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was sitting in church and I, I confessed, I said, forgive me. I, I, I lied. I thought I was going to be done with this and I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And it, it was like God said, uh, uh, what you're building is a fortress, not a facade. If you build a facade, people will surra surround it and knock it over. But if you build a fortress strong on all sides, when it rises into the culture, people will attack it, but they won't be able to destroy it. They'll just have to deal mm. with it. And that's mm. what we found with our films, because I'm using the very words and the very arguments of different people. It's what they say. The question is, is does what they say add up to what we see in the argument? You know, uh, it's similar to your whole premise is you don't have enough faith to be a, an atheist. Uh, because when you think it through, and by the way, the name of my company is called Thinking Man Films. Thinking Man Films. Well, think. well th these films do. And in fact, right after the break, Tim, I want you to tell us what any investigator ought to look for if he or she is going to discover the real Mount Sinai, if there is such a place. What are we going to look for? Because you have a scorecard in this movie, Journey to Mount Sinai, and it helps you discover where the real Mount Sinai is. So don't go anywhere. We're talking to Tim Mahoney, brand new movie, Journey to Mount Sinai, coming out this week. Tell you more in a minute. Don't go anywhere. Is there evidence of an exodus? Where is the real Mount Sinai? That's what we're talking about today with filmmaker Tim Mahoney. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. Before we get back to Tim, I want to mention this week we will be out in the great state of Utah on Tuesday night, the 18th of October, Utah Valley University. 
The next night, Utah State University, which is about 80 or 90 miles to the north of Salt Lake City, Utah State, uh, will be doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, taking questions. Then I want to mention I'll be in Orlando at Faith Assembly Church on the 22nd and 23rd. Then the 26th of October, I'll be at Wingate University, just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. That's kind of a home game for me. Looking forward to being there. The 3rd of November, I'll be at Rutgers University. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Then Liberty University on Saturday for the Stand for Freedom, Biblical Principles in a Woke World. I'll be among many speakers there. Uh, the next day, at uh, November 6th, at Central Ministries, a church there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We also have uh, Valdosta State University. I believe that's in Georgia on November 10th. Uh, much more coming up. Check out our calendar, crossexamine.org. Click on events. You'll see uh, my calendar there. We're talking about uh, this amazing evidence that Tim Mahoney has put together so well in a number of films. He's got five films the first one had to do with the Exodus itself. They're all, they all start with the phrase patterns of evidence because he's found a pattern of evidence for the Exodus. The latest one is coming out Monday and Tuesday at a theater near you. It's called Journey to Mount Sinai. And uh, Tim, where can our listeners view that movie this Monday night and Tuesday night? How do they find a theater near them? Where do, where do they go? Well, there's two ways. One is if they've ever been to a Fathom event, they can go to fathomevents.com and they can look up for Monday and Tuesday the Patterns of Evidence film. Otherwise, they can Fathom go Fathom events, did you say? Yes. Fathom? Fathom. Okay. Uh, F-A-T-H-O-M events. Uh, events, and they, okay. They can, that's one way, but, the, but uh -huh. we also have a link to it. If they just simply go to Patterns of Evidence, patternsofevidence.com, they'll go to our website and they can uh, uh, hit... Uh, buy tickets, and they'll, that'll take okay. them to a place where they can uh, 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 see what theater is near them by putting in their zip code, and they can then see the theater, pick their seats, and they can also watch a trailer on that website. They can learn a little bit more. But on that same page, at Patterns of Evidence, when you go to Patterns of Evidence uh, and look for the Mount Sinai movie, Journey to Mount Sinai, we have something called the Journey to Mount Sinai scorecard. And yes. uh, uh, this is an interactive, uh, you know, we we're praying about what should we do to make this, to help people, because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of data that we've got going. And uh, so we're going to be looking at six mountains, and we talked about this Jebel Laws, and in the beginning, that was the mountain that I looked at. I, that's the mountain that I was, I was interested in, and I was told, well, you're biased. You haven't really given the other mountains a fair chance. So mm. I said, well, what should we look, what, what would we look at? And that's when we created another pattern of evidence. It's the investigative criteria. This is a multi-page doc, you know, uh, down, uh, download for the Journey to Mount Sinai, the scorecard will give you the investigated investigation criteria. One of them is journey to the mountain. The Bible has clues as to the journey to the mountain. It talks about campsites, wildernesses, and travel time. That's one segment that we're, that we're going to be looking at. Frank, then the other one is Midian. Where is the ancient land of Midian? Because Moses mm. fled to this land... And while he was there, he lived there for 40 years with Jethro, and he married one of Jethro's daughters. Well, 40 years after, Moses ended up uh, going to, 
take the flock to the back side of the mountain. And that's another clue. So where, mm -hmm. what does that mean, back side of the mountain? And what mountain would that be? Well, at that particular location is where God meets Moses in a burning bush. And he tells him uh, that he has heard the cry of the Israelites. And if we think back to the Bible, Abraham was given a promise that uh, his seed would, given, would be given this land, that his descendants would, would take this promised land to Abraham. And, but first, they would, uh, they would be enslaved in a foreign land, but they would return. Well, God was now answering that promise at the burning bush. And he told Moses, I want you to go back and bring these people here. And something significant happens in that, that mountain is that God then makes a covenant with the people of Israel, and he gives them the law. And I know we've talked about this before the show, the fact that the universe is filled with law. Where does that law, where, where do those laws come from? From a lawgiver. And so this is a very significant location. Um, uh, the events of the Exodus, uh, also you can look for attributes of the mountain because there's clues such as there was a large group of people. So the mountain would have to have a large plain in front of it. There had to be enough water. There was a stream that flowed out of the mountain because the, they were told to wash their clothes. And they, uh, Moses ground up the golden calf and put it in the stream. And then there was a cave where later Elijah fled. And then there are artifacts. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a connection to the golden calf and golden calf worship. There were altars and pillars. There was the killing of 3,000 Israelites. So are there any graves? And then there are the question of inscriptions. So those are the things that we're going to be looking at in the scorecard. And I made it quite simple. You can, when you, down, you can download this scorecard, bring it with you to the theater, and uh, it's like bowling. You get a strike, a spare, or a gutter ball, right? <laughs> so it's either a yes, a maybe, or no. And as we go through the first three mountains, you're going to be able to keep score. And I'm going to keep score, but I will tell you my score at the end of the film series. This is uh, a two-hour uh, intriguing look at three of six possible Mount Sinai sites. So as Tim just said, ladies and gentlemen, in the previous segment, he's not trying to create a facade where he's just looking at one of the six. He's going to create a fortress where he's going to look at all of the six and let the audience, i.e. you, decide which of these six makes most sense. Now, in a certain sense, Tim, you start out talking about Jabal laws in this movie, uh, this new one that's going to be out this uh, Monday and Tuesday night in a theater near you. And friends, it looks like the best place to go to find out where the theater is. Just go to PatternsofEvidence.com. It's right there on the homepage. You will see the the, the the trailer, and then you'll see the scorecard right there and the, how to get tickets. So you definitely want to download the scorecard. But Tim, you start talking about Jabala Laws, and then you talk about the traditional Mount Sinai, and you have an archaeologist there, and uh, it's helpful in the film. I just watched the whole film this morning, so it's very fresh in my mind. Um, you, you have an archaeologist who you identify as someone who takes the Egyptian view, who is trying to find sort of a naturalistic explanation for this, rather than the Hebrew view, which is saying, no, this is supernatural, that God's involved here. This Hebrew, or the, the, the Egyptian view, uh, tries to say that manna was kind of a naturalistic way, came off trees, and, and uh, he's trying to explain it that way. But he does give a fairly plausible um, 
I'd say, account of where the Egyptian camps could be on the Sinai Peninsula. Who is this archaeologist that you interviewed at great length, and what points does he make to try and say the traditional Mount Sinai on the Sinai Peninsula is the true one? Yes, that's a, uh, he's actually an Egyptologist, David Roll, and he's, mm-hmm. he's an agnostic, but, uh, but he, he has really spent a lot of time with the Bible, and he's in a number of our films. Uh, uh, in this particular case, what he is doing is the Egyptian approach uses Egyptian words. They, uh, in other words, a lot of words and meaning of words. The same thing is true for the crossing of the sea, where they're looking at Egyptian words to uh, identify the sea crossing. So the question then is, is uh, these place names going through the Sinai Peninsula, he sees a connection between those place names and biblical names. And that is yes. a toponym approach, where the toponyms are, are being identified. The question then is, is which came first? Were the toponyms there uh, before the Exodus, or were the toponyms there and came after as people were trying to fill in the blanks? And that is the challenge with the toponym approach. If you, that's the reason why looking at a pattern, you could potentially have, uh, it's like working a jigsaw puzzle. It seems like the piece might fit in this one area, one of the pieces, but do the other pieces <clears throat> fit as well? Mm. And that's then the question of, well, um, how many people could fit at that mountain? Is there a water source? Is there a stream? Does it have a cave? You know, uh, uh, are there any artifacts there? And uh, that is the reason why many mainstream scholars to date reject the idea because they don't see any evidence of the Israelite encampment at that mountain. And so then well, they Tim, say, how um there are some pieces that do fit, as you'll see in the movie, that hopefully you'll see Monday or Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, but Tim, why is the traditional Mount Sinai thought to be Mount Sinai? Where did this tradition come from? Well, back uh, during Constantine, when he became emperor of Rome, his mother, Helena, was very, uh, she was a believer, and she was trying to facilitate and help uh, Christianity and, and they were claiming, uh, uh, they were trying to identify places where events of the Bible happen. And so as she traveled, she was told, I believe, by those in the area of the Sinai, that this was where the event of the Exodus happened. And that then became the location that uh, that empire identified as the true location for Mount Sinai. That's how that was established. That's what we understand is that, that that's when it's solidified. But if you pull out the scorecard, and the scorecard that Tim has put together, ladies and gentlemen, is just taking all the biblical evidence. Here are some of the things we should find around Mount Sinai for this to be the true Mount Sinai. When you take that scorecard, you're going to see, at least I've seen in watching the film, that the traditional Mount Sinai doesn't fit all the evidence. There's not a pattern of evidence. There are some pieces that might fit but as you said, Tim, is it possible that after this tradition was established, that, and this was established in the 300s AD, that after that they began naming these places based on what the Bible said rather than the other way around? That's the question. Yeah, that, that leaves yeah. it. That's the reason why I think it's, we want to be fair because there are a number of people that feel that this is the real location for Mount Sinai. But what we want to do is we want to be fair, but what, what do we have to use as our standard is the Bible. 
not mm -hmm. uh, necessarily history or tradition, even though those are important. So if we go back to the biblical text, that's all I'm asking people to do in all of our films is we're testing the Bible. Is it faithful? Is it true? And if we look at the, the biblical text, that should be our criteria for finding the real location of Mount Sinai. And we're going to see a lot more right after the break. Our final segment with Tim Mahoney, the brand new movie, Patterns of Evidence, Journey to Mount Sinai, this Monday night and Tuesday night in a theater near you. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com and you'll see how to see it back in two. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said you nullify the word of God on account of your tradition. How often do we allow traditions to overpower the Word of God in the sense that we're going to trust traditions rather than the Word of God? Well, my friend Tim Mahoney, like my friend Bob Cornuk before him, has looked at the pattern of evidence based on the scriptures, not tradition, on these big issues. And one is the Exodus, when did it occur? And the second is, where is the real Mount Sinai? Now, if you go to PatternsofEvidence.com and click on the scorecard, you're going to see a PDF that comes up that I want you to take to the movie on Monday or Tuesday and score these places that Tim in the movie is investigating. What does the Bible say we ought to find around Mount Sinai? Well, first of all, we got to have the journey to the mountain. Then we've got to know where Midian is. we got to know what the backside of the wilderness is. We have to know the attributes of the area. Like, is there a large plain? Is there enough water? Is there a stream? Is there a cave? These are things the Bible says you should find at Mount Sinai. What about the artifacts? Do we find an altar and 12 pillars? Do we find a large encampment? Do we find golden calf worship? Do we find inscriptions? How about other evidence? So all of that is on this scorecard that you want to take. And I've got a great idea, ladies and gentlemen. You notice how you always want to have fellowship, hopefully, with the people in your church? This Sunday, in Sunday school or at church, say, hey, why don't we on Monday or Tuesday get a group of us together and go see this movie together? Then we can, have a, we can go out for dinner or something afterwards and discuss it or discuss it in the next Sunday school. So go to PatternsOfEvidence.com and find everything you'll need there to find the movie, find the scorecard. And uh, you will not be disappointed in seeing this movie. This is part one of a two-parter on the journey to Mount Sinai. The, the second part is being actually put together right now by Tim. Tim, how far along are you with uh, part two where you're going to get into the other three sites of uh, Mount Sinai? Well, we've been filming on this for over 20 years, and, and some of the footage I have is, is like you know 40 years old. So this has been a long time in, a, in the making. And, uh, and what ends up happening in a lot of films, too, is something new happens. Some piece of information comes in. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, our hope and prayer is that we can uh, raise enough money to finish the next film and get it out in the next, uh, you know, by next spring. That's the plan. Okay. Uh, because I think it's good that they, are, they come together so that you can, you can um, get the whole sense of the investigation. And so that's the goal. That's the plan. And that's what we're, we're praying that will happen. So if you go to PatternsofEvidence.com, you'll see a donate button. You want to donate to part two of Journey to Mount Sinai, you can. And you are going to donate by just going to the movie on Monday or Tuesday. But Tim, one of the critical uh, things we need to discover to discover where the real Mount Sinai is, is where Midian is. Why is that important, Midian? Because uh, Moses fled to the land of Midian. And the Midianites were, you know, they were traitors. They, they, they did a lot of... Uh, 
traveling. Joseph was taken by Midianite, you know, traders down, you know, up from where he was uh, at Dothan all the way down to Egypt. So some people say, well, Midianite, Midian was sort of uh, fluid. But the Bible says that Moses went to the land of Midian. Mm. And we do know that Midian was, uh, if you look at your Bible, Midian was one of the sons of Abraham from another wife. And they were, after uh, Isaac came along, these, these sons were sent away with, with Ishmael, and they were sent to the east. And so that means that it has to be most likely on the east side of the Gulf of Aqaba. So a lot of scholars don't argue with that, and they see, they see that that's an area where we believe that Moses fled to, which would put him in the northwest corner of Saudi Arabia. And that's the reason why uh, we think, many think that the, the mountain has to be in that area. Uh, if it's in some other area, uh, how far did Moses travel with his sheep then? <laughs> would be mm, Because yeah. if, if Moses lived in the land of Midian on the northwest side of, of the Gulf of Aqaba, then he would have had to have traveled hundreds of miles. And the problem with that is, is that there are other shepherds with other flocks and other wells, and they were very competitive. Uh, who could graze on whose you know, land and where the water supplies were. So that's the reason why finding the location of Midian uh, is an important clue in finding the location of Mount Sinai. You know, there's a clue in the New Testament as well, where Paul says Mount Sinai, he says in Galatians 4, Mount Sinai is in Arabia. Well, where's Arabia? Arabia was never considered the Sinai Peninsula, friends. It was always considered the east side of the Gulf of Aqaba. Now, what's the Gulf of Aqaba? I don't know if you can picture in your mind, if you're listening on radio, you probably can't think of this. But you know the Sinai Peninsula has a body of water on each side of it. One is the Red Sea. The other is the Gulf of Aqaba. And we're saying that Midian appears to be on the east side of the Gulf of Aqaba, which is present-day northwest Saudi Arabia which would fit with Jabal el-Laws as being one of the possible sites of Mount Sinai. And Tim unpacks this in the new movie, Patterns of Evidence, Journey to Mount Sinai. So you want to see that either Monday night or Tuesday night. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. Why do you think, Tim, that modern scholarship is wary of finding Mount Sinai really in Arabia? Why is that a problem for them? Well, I think that the whole Bible is off limits. I have some scholars that I have interviewed that, have, uh, that are getting close to retiring. And what they've told me is that they're very intrigued by this. And uh, there, uh, a lot of pressure, political pressure comes from universities for scholars not to talk about or to support anything biblical. But I have mm. on record where people would say, you know, uh, yeah, we see evidence for the Bible all the time, but we say to ourselves, yeah, that looks like it matches the Bible, that matches the Bible, but hey, we can't talk about that. We don't want to lose our job. So wow. there is political pressure to keep scholars from, you know, speaking the truth. And the thing that surprised me about this was I always thought that truth was the goal, was mm. that we were going to be open. And that was the great disappointment. And, you know, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not a... Um, uh, an Egyptologist or a Bible scholar. I've just, I'm an investigative filmmaker who was raised to believe that the events of the Bible really happened, and now I'm on the investigation. But I don't have the same paradigms that they have. I'm basically able to look at it more like a journalist and say, hey, I see a pattern here. It's pretty simple. 
you know, it's not that I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I can see a pattern for the Bible when I go out and look for it. And that's what I, as a filmmaker, what I'm bringing to the audience. And I want to say this, is that the types of films that I make are, are I believe, try to be as honest they possibly can. Uh, and the films that I'm bringing into mainstream theaters, uh, I'm asking people, right now people are thinking about who they're going to vote for. What I'm going to say to people is, hey, would you vote for a biblical investigative film in mainstream theaters? When we go to a theater like that, they watch and say, hey, mm. who uh, is anybody interested in this? If you're interested in wanting to support biblical investigations, please vote for the Bible and go to the theater on October 17th and 18th and bring people. Uh, make this a big deal because that allows us, we've got more uh, patterns of evidence films. I know what the patterns are. We just need to get them funded and get them out there. And we're supporting many believers in their faith with these apologetic films. And then they're able to share them with their children and their grandchildren. And that way they have a, a, a strong historical connection to their faith. Well, the film is very well done. I've, I just saw it this morning, as I said, an advanced uh, view at it. And as they say, it is Monday night and Tuesday night. Go to PatternsOfEvidence.com. It is sad uh, when you think about it, Tim, that uh, the uh, academic culture isn't as interested in truth as they are ideology. And we're seeing that more and more just in uh, in our uh, universities. In fact, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have Charlie Kirk on. He's written a book about, about college and how ideology is driving people away from the truth. I mean, now we even have people now who can't say what a woman is anymore. It's just ideology. It's not actually the pursuit of truth. So this film, ladies and gentlemen, as well as all five films in the Patterns of Evidence series, will present the evidence. And Tim, you're interviewing people that don't necessarily agree with your thesis either. You're, I mean, you're interviewing people that say, well, no, it's not Jabal Laws, it's uh, the traditional Mount Sinai or some other site. So you're trying to build a case and we're, you're allowing people that disagree with you on the film to say what they think. So it's, it's very even-handed. That's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, and I, I want, listen, I'm, I want to find what the truth is. Mm -hmm. I wanted to find what the truth was about the Bible. And what I've, as I've made these films, I've seen that there is an amazing pattern of evidence that continues to support God acting in history. And uh, a lot of these people who are pursuing the mountains that they have, they believe sincerely that they have found a pattern that matches more specifically the biblical text. So they're very excited about their particular locations. I'm going to give them, I'm giving them a platform to share what they believe. Yeah, uh, and, and in fact, you, you, no, I was going to say, you even have Bryant Wood on there, who is a great archaeologist who helped confirm that Jericho's walls uh, fell uh, fell outward, just like the Bible says. But he has a different site than Jabal Laws, and you have Bryant Wood on here too. Right. And, and what I was told in the film, you know, I was like, hey, Tim, you need to be open. So I am open. Yeah. You know, to be open sometimes takes years for me to basically uh, film these different locations. And this film is going to take the audience to different places they'll probably never, ever be able to go and see for themselves. If you want to go on an adventure and the, bring along the scorecard, you can join me as an investigator 
And you can then decide for yourself, as I take you to places you'll never have seen before, and, uh, and to take you into the scriptures as you've never known before. And then I also think there's going to be spiritual lessons to be learned from this. What does it mean for God to take you out of Egypt to himself through a wilderness and to trust him for, for, for provision, for the manna and for the water? These are the things that some people might be facing even today. And that's why I think this film will be a great encouragement for people and help them to grow in their intellectual and their spiritual growth. Thanks so much, Tim. It's a great film. You want to see it, go to PatternsofEvidence.com. Bring your Sunday school. Bring your small group. PatternsofEvidence.com this Monday night and Tuesday night. Don't forget, friends, I'll be in Utah this week if you're anywhere near that area. And you can see it streamed online. One last thing, don't forget about the historical reliability class with Craig Blomberg. It starts this week. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. God bless. See you next week.